Today's podcast is brought to you by Casper, who's revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing the savings directly to you. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com primal and using the code primal. Today's podcast is also brought to you by DNA Fit, providers of state-of-the-art genetic testing. Their services build a roadmap for your individualized health, fitness, and lifestyle goals by testing the genetic markers that make you unique. Go to dnafit.com and enter the code PRIMALBLUEPRINT at checkout for a whopping 30% off your own personal genetic test. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, introducing your host, L. Russ. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast today. Our guest is Mary Vance. She is a holistic nutritionist based in San Francisco, but works with clients all over the world via Skype and phone. Uh, welcome to the show, Mary. How are you? Thank you, Elle. I'm doing great, enjoying our San Francisco summer weather, which means 50 degrees and foggy. You know, that's why I left San Francisco. <laughs> no offense to San Francisco. It's a lovely city, but that is actually why I moved down to Southern California. <laughs> uh, many times I have wanted to do the same thing. <laughs> so I found you, I was sort of looking on the internet, uh, looking into sort of estrogen dominance and some of the hormonal imbalances that a few people in my life I know were going through. And it had been a while since I had tackled that subject. And so, you know, I came across you and what really brought you to my attention was the fact that you really are focused on and help clients with particularly gluten-free and paleo meal plans and nutritional advice, um, getting allergies under control, elimination diets, detoxing. And I just loved your website and everything you had to offer, which I'll mention twice, but right now it's MaryVanceNC.com, and that's M-A-R-Y-V-A-N-C-E-N-C.com. So tell us a little bit about how you even got here, because I know you went through a lot of health challenges and ups and downs. Give us your story. Sure. So my story kind of really begins back when I was a teenager. I grew up an animal lover on a farm in Tennessee and was raising and training show horses and dogs. And researching a lot about what to feed them. And I landed at an animal rights workshop where I learned then, and this is back in the 90s, about the abhorrent conditions around factory farming, you know, which I had never heard of before and was just absolutely shocked. So I became a vegetarian, cut out all animal products, and basically lived on rice and ramen noodles for a long time because that was vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> And then I became severely anemic and was exhausted, you know, couldn't stay awake during class, couldn't do any of my extracurricular, you know, equestrian activities. And so that's when I really made this connection between how we eat really dictates the status of our health. So I, you know, started reading everything I could get my hands on on 
vegetarian nutrition. And that's when I discovered soy. And I thought, oh, this is a miracle. I'm just going to cram my face full of tofu and fake chicken and I'll get enough protein and I'll be fine. Mm. So fast forward, you know, several years after I had even graduated from college, you know, I stayed a vegetarian for over 13 years and started to really have out of nowhere. I've always been super healthy. Nothing was ever wrong with me. I was kind of going through life, enjoying everything. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, seemingly to me, uh, all of the, this constellation of symptoms just hit me, you know, digestive issues, uh, hormone imbalance issues. I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. You know, I, so at that point, I was in my early 20s. I went to um, just a regular general practitioner. They, of course, you know, prescribed meds that didn't work to help you know, balance my cycle that had disappeared for over a year. And that's when I, you know, I'd always kind of been interested in women's health. And that's when I decided to go back to school to study nutrition and really focus heavily on kind of the functional medicine perspective and, uh, and more of this holistic approach rather than just throwing meds at your symptoms, really getting deep into what the underlying causes are. And, you know, what is it about our diet and our lifestyle that is, is causing these issues? And, and, you know, fast forward to today where, I see the same exact thing from women that I work with in my practice where they're, you know, they've had similar histories or they've, you know, are having problems with hormone balance or really uncomfortable menstrual cycles and their doctors are just recommending birth control pills and many times antidepressants. And so, you know, I, I really take the alternative approach in that rather than, again, you know, treating the symptoms, really helping people uncover the underlying causes of what's going on and changing their diets and lifestyle and addressing, you know, stress relief. And so that's it in a nutshell. Nice. So tell us then, I mean, aside from what our listeners and people who have already, you know, followed the Primal Blooper and adopted a paleo primal lifestyle and, you know, understand that, you know, cleaning out their diet doing the specifics there. Are there any specific foods, herbs, teas, things that come to mind right away for you when someone has gone through hormonal issues and they're trying to get back on track? Um, and you know, they're, they're in the, let's say they've even been paleo for like a few months or, you know, and they're, they're doing well. What else can we all add, men and women, you can go first on whichever one you'd like, that we can each do with our genders to like ensure that or repair the damage from? Sure. So obviously, you know, you mentioned diet and that's the best, the first place to start. And if someone is particularly, let's say women, you know, particularly are dealing with estrogen dominance, meaning, you know, there's too much estrogen in relation to progesterone. And that's often the first uh, imbalance that kind of contributes to irregular cycles or, you know, just painful periods. The first, you know, is to make sure that, you know, you're not eating any kind of conventional animal products. And clearly, you know, your listeners in the paleo primal crowd are really good about eating clean. So that's, that's the first kind of rung in the ladder. Um, right. Going for the grass fed, going for the sure. non-hormone antibiotic shot up animals, of course. But let's just rewind for one second. And can you just tell us, I'm sure there's a variety from all the people you've experienced. Give us a little snapshot of some of the symptoms of estrogen dominance. Well, the biggest one is probably painful periods, you know, heavy periods and really sore, tender breasts and kind of really noticeable PMS symptoms. Uh, and then there's kind of a second constellation of symptoms that's like ovarian cysts and fibroids, endometriosis, PCOS type symptoms. Those 
all our uh, estrogen dominance. And, and just to clarify, you know, when people think estrogen dominance, they're thinking you have a, a ton of estrogen, but that may not be the case. They may have actual, and this is what I see often on lab tests where their doctors have said, oh, everything's in normal range, you're fine. But they might have normal levels of estrogen, but very low levels of progesterone. And that, you know, leaves them estrogen dominant. So, right. It doesn't have to be an excess necessarily of estrogen per se. And also, you know, I mean, we could do a whole entire show on what is optimal within lab values and what is just within a range. Okay. So, you know, that is like one of the biggest problems. You could write a whole entire book on just how to sort of be your own doctor that way, because I've been through it. I know you, you have too. And it's, it's really a shame. I was told many, many times in my life, like your labs are fine, you know, just work, work out more and uh, eat less. You know, it's just because something was within range does not mean it's optimal. So yes, that is the biggest thing that I catch and preach about. I'm really glad you said that, that, that is absolutely the case. And I, I get that with thyroid too. And I know you're, you know, you'll talk a lot about thyroid on, on your upcoming shows or have in the past, but that, you know, my, one of my favorite sayings is that nothing in, you know, in the female endocrine system is, is very sensitive and, but nothing in, in the body malfunctions in isolation of anything else. So all of a sudden, if you have, let's say a female hormone imbalance, it, it's not just cropping up in your, your ovaries or under or overproducing hormones. There, there are other factors that are affecting at that. And you have to take into account, you know, thyroid function and adrenal function and, how all of those glands in your endocrine system are working and communicating together. So that's the other issue is if, if someone's presenting and, and coming into your office with hormone imbalance issues, you want to take it a step farther than just looking at, you know, the female or male hormone patterns. You want to also look at, you know, the thyroid function and adrenals and how the system is working together as a whole. Yeah. And to all the women out there, uh, if you don't already know this, don't, uh, always get a second opinion when it comes to diagnosing something gynecologically. There has been too many examples in, in my life. I was uh, misdiagnosed once with polycystic ovarian syndrome and I didn't have it, but I had a thyroid wow. problem. And so, you know, other issues cause, right? So, you know, someone can slap a birth control pill. I would say to all women, don't go for a conventional approach. Look to see what is behind it. Thyroid's the master gland, adrenals, you can check, you know, other hormones as well. But it's really disheartening because it is putting a patch on something that actually is correctable. Um, You know, God forbid I would have continued on with that doctor that sort of misdiagnosed me there. Now, he didn't necessarily misdiagnose me in the sense that the picture in the ultrasound might have looked like PCOS. But again, what's causing that, right? So everybody get behind the symptoms. Don't just put a patch on it. You know, get to the bottom of why it's even happening in the first place. Because every Western doctor will just give you a pill and you're not, then you're just going to get worse. <laughs> Things exactly. are just going to get worse. Um, so, other, okay, so let's talk more a little bit about estrogen dominance. Obviously, the female symptoms, there's some lab results. What are some things that we can do to stay balanced. Like if we're, we're good and we don't have crazy symptoms, but we want to even achieve more hormonal balance other than diet, what else can you suggest? So the biggest one probably is address your stress levels. And I know we, we, in this lifestyle kind of hammer into the ground, sleep well, good blood sugar balance, you know, stress. And, and we all lead stressful lifestyles, right? But the best thing that, in my opinion, we can do to stay balanced is to make sure that these lifestyle factors are in order. And that means, 
getting eight to 10 hours of sleep. You know, the, if you aren't getting enough sleep for your body, that causes your stress hormones to shoot up. That affects your female hormones. You know, chronically, that affects your thyroid hormone. That affects your blood sugar balance. So, you know, make sure your sleep is, is in place, that you're pooping well even, that you have regular bowel movements daily because that is where excess estrogens are bound up via stool and then they're excreted from the body. And if, you, you know, if you're constipated, then estrogens and toxins are reabsorbed through the gut and back into your system. So yeah, I know people that have constipation issues that don't think it's a health problem. And I, I see it as a serious health problem. If you have oh. chronic constipation, that to me is such a red flag. <laughs> and so, you know, go figure it out. If anyone's out there that is really experiencing this on a regular basis, not just because of some, you know, temporary shift in a diet or something, but this is really, you're not going once or more a day then your problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we could spend a whole show talking about good bathroom habits, couldn't we? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that, you know, making sure that you're going at least once a day. And for women, this is especially applicable is look at your cosmetics and your products. You know, that is a huge endocrine disruptor when you're um, slathering these chemical parabens and, you know, sulfates. And, and these are filled with what we call xenoestrogens. And xenoestrogens are these chemical estrogens that are shaped like our body's own estrogens and plug up these estrogen receptors. And that's true of kind of pollution, cleaning products, uh, cosmetics. And, you know, you're thinking about how the average woman applies something like over 500 chemicals to her skin daily. And, you know, those things don't just kind of sit there. They, they actually have ke other chemicals in them that, that cause them to penetrate into your skin so that you smell good and your makeup stays in place or, or whatever your end result is. But, you know, those are all very uh, endocrine disrupting and have been linked to, you know, obesity and weight gain and infertility. And again, in this hormone uh, imbalance, estrogen dominance issues. So aside from your products, same goes for your environment, you know, get rid of and, and, and ditch the chemical cleaning products, make your own or get some green cleaning products. You know, there's tons of DIY cleaning product recipes out there using, you know, just baking soda, vinegar, boric acid, whatever. So, um, so yeah, yeah. I'm on a subject of products cause, um, you know, I'm like probably most females. I have a ton of products. <laughs> I'm going on vacation. I have like an entire separate suitcase for a variety of products. But I, I don't, the thing is, is that I always look to see about the parabens. I will put nothing all over my entire body that's not natural. And Good. I want to just throw out to the audience that, you know, when doctors do administer hormone replacement or hormone creams to people, they, they're in the form of creams. So if you're thinking like rubbing testosterone or estrogen onto one's skin to soak it in from a doctor, what do you think is happening when you put, um, you know, some very just uh, baseline level lotion all over your body that's just filled with chemicals? It's going to soak in there, you know? And so that's just so huge, I think, because I switched that a long time ago and I was not aware of it, you know, I mean, until I started to have problems, but then I did clean it all out. And you know, really examine. And it, the toughest thing I think is sunscreen because a lot of the body sunscreens and the natural sunscreens are tough, I've noticed. And, you know, I still, when I will put on, and no offense to the major brands, but like, you know, your favorite childhood smelling like suntan lotion all over your body, but you're, I'm in California and I'm in this, I mean, you know, after a while that's, you know, it's fine for a weekend, but it's another thing when you're regularly, daily putting something on your body. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we have kind of this total load threshold for how much our livers can detox. You know, your liver is also in charge of metabolizing hormones in the body. And, and so, you know, a little at a time, just get rid of that stuff. And, and speaking of progesterone cream quickly, you know, that's what a lot of women are using to help them through menopause or for low progesterone issues. But you're exactly right. I mean, they contain these, you know, propylene glycol parabens that help them penetrate the skin. And, and furthermore, you know, I see a lot of problems with those because they build up in fatty tissue over time. And then the pendulum swings too far the other way. And then I get these lab tests back when, when people have, you know, four times the amount of progesterone they need. So be careful with those, you know, topical creams in general. But yeah, again, with, with the sunscreen, it's so easy to make your own, you know, just get some zinc oxide. You can order it off Amazon, you know, combine it with some coconut oil or other stuff, or there are a few natural sunscreens out there. Uh, and it doesn't hurt, you know, to just sit in the sun for 10, 15 minutes a day with nothing on your skin just to get that vitamin D boost. Yeah, aloe vera gel is another good one to mix uh, mix something up with. Um, I like that you mentioned the liver. I want to talk a little bit about that too. So if you've gone through like a health issue with the major hormonal imbalances, I mean, let's, can we talk a little bit about milk thistle? Because, you know, I've used it before. I know it's in almost every sort of like liver detox or liver cleanse or any, it's also in a lot of multivitamins as a liver supporter. So... Is that something that, like, someone should really consider? I mean, obviously, we're not prescribing herbs to people over the air here, but, I mean, it's just one of those things that's so prevalent now. And I just wondered, can you talk about its use and how you may use it or if you have? I do. I I like milk thistle. I don't use it alone. I like, if I'm going to pers- or to recommend a an herbal liver support to someone, and I you know, I sometimes recommend, I'm not for a lot for doing fancy cleanses or detoxes, but I do think it's good to kind of cut out all the potentially difficult to digest or allergenic foods you might be eating. And for most of us that are eating clean, maybe that's like eggs or, you know, other foods you suspect might be problematic. And then adding in a liver tincture just to clean things out, clean house a couple times a year. But Milk thistle is a very powerful antioxidant, so it's protective, but there are other herbs like Oregon grape root or burdock or dandelion specifically that also kind of help bile flow through the liver. They have more of a cleansing action. And then there are certain nutrients, of course, like glutathione. That's one of the most potent antioxidants, uh, and avocados are a good source of that. And uh, you know, and N-acetylcysteine, some of these nutrients and amino acids and antioxidants that are very liver protective. So you know, even better if someone actually, you know, has lab work that indicates they have liver congestion or some of, you know, these organic acids tests that show that maybe your phase one, phase two liver detox pathways are, are under functioning, then what I'll usually do is recommend some combination of, of like several different herbs and then the, you know, the very liver protective and liver detox friendly nutrients, you know, like the N-acetylcysteine or glutathione as well. Hey folks, Brock Armstrong here to tell you about Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses that sell for just a fraction of the price. Casper understands that buying a mattress online can have some consumers sort of wondering about how this is possible. Well, buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free because they offer free delivery and returns within a 100-day period. It's that simple. Statistically, lying on a bed for like four minutes in a showroom has no correlation to whether it's a good bed for you or your family or not. That's why Casper has turned the buying process into a risk-free experience. 
Casper really understands the importance of truly trying out a mattress that in all reality, you spend a third of your life on. So make sure to go to casper.com slash primal and use the promo code primal and you'll get $50 towards any mattress purchase. Once again, that's casper.com slash primal and use the code primal. Now back to the show. Aside from, you know, your general thyroid problems that wreak havoc also then on the female and male hormones, so they're all related, and adrenals, is there anything else you've been seeing a theme of over the years or you, you've seen more and more of or just something that really, you know, comes to mind that's like, wow, I'm seeing a lot of that? Yes, infertility. Oh, yeah, Diffi- let's talk about that. Difficulty conceiving, you know, the textbook definition of infertility is, you know, trying to achieve pregnancy and being unsuccessful for over 12 months or longer. So uh, that is by far one of the the biggest noticeable increases uh, in clients that I've had are, are people who have been trying, you know, they are, again, a lot of these women and men as well are eating super clean. You know, they've been doing, they've been following paleo, they've been eating really clean diets for years often. Sometimes their labs even come back fine um, until we kind of really dig deeper and then, you know, maybe look at the adrenals. And here is where I see, um, you know, going back to what we were talking about with optimal lab ranges, a lot of these uh, women are having lab work come back with their TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, and their T3, T4, you know, your main thyroid hormones that are way outside the functional optimal range for fertility. And, you know, men are, again, having kind of what we call subclinical low testosterone showing up. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, they're being, they've been told over and over again, oh, your lab works fine, your lab works fine. They're feeling frustrated. They're getting stressed out. But when you really look at, take, you know, a magnifying glass and go through these uh, numerous lab tests that they've both done, both women and men in this case, you find all sorts of subclinical patterns cropping up on this lab work that indicate they are below the optimal range for fertility. So, And know. on the other note, too, if, I mean, everybody even considering attempting getting pregnant should get their thyroid tested correctly. We named the top three, which is TSH, free T3, free T4. There are some others, but, you know, we can, you can look online or contact either of us for more details if you need them. But Getting your thyroid tested first will save you a potential miscarriage. I have had friends who've had several miscarriages and then were diagnosed. You need to have proper, adequate thyroid hormones or you will not be able to sustain an entire, you know, pregnancy. And and so that's such a huge thing. And I just wish, you know, a lot of people can avoid some disappointment (laughs) if they go beforehand. Yeah, of course. That's the, the main important thing. And then, you know, what we've been talking about, just the estrogen dominance theme, again, you know, a lot of women have this, again, subclinical, meaning that their test results are, quote, in the normal range, but they have too little progesterone. And what is progesterone but the progestational hormone? That is the hormone that allows women to get and stay pregnant in part, you know, aside from... Well, doesn't it, it increases like by like 60 plus percent, like uh, how many yeah. percentage does it increase when you get pregnant? Because it's actually involved in what, like the lining of the uterus, right? Exactly. And building that up. And that yeah. that's what's holding the baby. I forget that the percentage was, it was like ridiculous how far it shot up once you get pregnant, the progesterone. Yeah. And, yeah. and when we go back to this kind of estrogen dominance stress cycle, this is a pattern that I explain to these women is, and this isn't going to show up on any lab test, but if you're stressed, if you have kind of chronic everyday stressors and 
And to your body, that means not only like working too much or chugging coffee or not sleeping, but it's, you know, you're not eating the right foods, dietary stress. But what happens is, you know, your, your adrenals are churning out this cortisol in response to that stress. And when your body can't keep up with that kind of sustained production, it starts to borrow molecules of progesterone to make cortisol because your body sees survival as more important than reproduction. So that particular stress hormone kind of pathway is not going to show up on any lab work, but that's more, again, reading between the lines, seeing, okay, here's low progesterone, and that's maybe when you see a higher TSH, but not high enough to flag, you know, an abnormal reading in a doctor's office. So that constellation of symptoms in, in how stress is affecting fertility and how, you know, the too much estrogen because of this progesterone, you know, using the body is kind of diverting its resources and, and using your sex hormones to make more cortisol just to keep you going. Well, yeah, when you're thi- when you have low thyroid hormone and um, also maybe then your female hormones have been thrown off, now your adrenals take over because your body needs to get energy and needs to get from somewhere and it, it takes over and then it overacts and then you're now in adrenal fatigue and I've been there. It's so horrific because now then, <laughs> because then on that, when you get there, then you've got to correct a lot of things at the same time. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you don't catch something early. So I suggest even when people... You know, next time everyone gets their physical, make sure you, you get your thyroid tested properly just to check in on that. But adrenals are tougher because, you know, it usually is done through a 24-hour cortisol test. Um, but, yeah, I mean, your adrenals just will take over. And also, right, when you were talking, I just was thinking, it's so primal, right? All of the responses we get are so primal. And that's why the lifestyle part of primal paleo is really important. People miss it. You can eat. And, you know, if you exercise, if you overexercise, that's one part people aren't getting that they need yeah. to chill out. But then the other part is really the lifestyle, unplugging, you know, just running. Like sometimes I notice myself, I'll be like rushing. I don't have anywhere to be, but I'm like rushing in and out of a couple of errands, maybe because I'm not like a big fan of hanging around in stores and shopping. But, you know, you need to run in and get a few things. But when you really think about that, my motion and my actions, it's kind of like stress. You know, and I'll catch myself sometimes and I'll be like, well, I'm kind of acting as if I'm stressed and in a hurry and my body is going to be responding to that internally. Like, you know, there are just those moments driving anywhere. We live in this modern lifestyle where we have to really be more aware because back in the day we were getting all the sleep, rest, hanging out during the day, nice long walks, right? You know, and so talk to me a little bit about, you know, the, 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 the primal paleo, sort of like the lifestyle aspect of it, you know, what you encourage patients to do to really get adrenals under control. Yeah, you touched on pretty much everything I wanted to mention is you're exactly right is, you know, we've evolved to a certain extent to handle the stressors of modern day life, but our bodies really aren't designed to be exposed to light sources 24 hours a day and pinging phones at our faces and and the constant assault of toxins and pollution and, you know, city living and just the frenetic day-to-day traffic, construction, noise. I mean, it, that in and of itself, you know, the, the more that I, and again, going back to sleep, I start there, you know, the more that you can do the sleep hygiene stuff, get the blackout curtains, don't, you know, try to lessen the noise, minimize the noise, try to unplug, you know, use your blue blocker glasses, don't read your screens at night, shut off before bed, anything that we can do to kind of restore this circadian rhythm that will allow our bodies to rest and heal. And if you live in a city, go take your shoes off and, you know, run in in the grass or, you know, walk and let your feet hit the earth or go running on the beach barefoot, whatever sort of access that you have 
where you can at least unplug a little bit and kind of, you know, let yourself just be a natural human where you're not constantly assaulted with kind of, you know, all of these stressors of modern life that really do add up, you know, and the more that we can mitigate that and manage it in any way possible, um, you know, with our busy modern lifestyles. And that's why I say, if you know you're heading into a super stressful event, if you're going to have a a few weeks of work that are unavoidable, take some herbs that support your adrenals, you know, try to get rest as much as you can take over and make sure you're eating in regular intervals. You're getting enough protein because you have a larger need for protein when you're stressed and, you know, try to self-manage and, and really support yourself so that your health doesn't suffer as a result. I like that. That's great. And let's get to the guys. Maybe it is sort of the same conversation, but we're just going to be talking about different hormones or not, but is there anything different or that we can talk about with guys when it comes to hormonal imbalance? They, men are absolutely prone to estrogen dominance or, or I should not say dominance, but higher estrogen levels, which will suppress testosterone levels. And again, you know, that's a, a really causative factor in a lot of these infertility cases as well. And it's harder for men to notice. I mean, they'll, they'll see fatigue, you know, they might see uh, fat storage in, in weird places like around the midsection or, or the man boob phenomenon. But, um, but there are some great herbs out there as well, you know, like tribulus and maca and some specific herbs, but same thing for men, you know, make sure that their lifestyle factors are in place that, you know, maybe they're doing some liver support to help metabolize some of these hormones and, and that, you know, it doesn't help or it doesn't hurt to do kind of a, sort of targeted liver support or, you know, some sort of a cleanse a couple times a year and make sure you've got the exercise, you know, burst training seems to be very effective for that, the hormone balance and the boost in testosterone. So, so yes, but there, I mean, just because of the xenoestrogens we were talking about that are present, you know, in chemicals in our environment and food supply, men are absolutely susceptible to the same sorts of imbalances. So when, when we're talking about hormones, you know, obviously, so like short of menopause maybe or um, an older male uh, who would like to replace testosterone, if you've got a major hormonal imbalance and um, at, at, at what point is the point where you actually take the hormone replacement? Like how long do you give it a great shot? Like a year? You know, it's like, I mean, obviously everyone's individual and makes their own choices, but you know, what have you seen? Like if something's not resolved over a certain period of time, when is the choice? Cause I always try to tell people, Hey, try to resolve this naturally for as long as you can give it, sure. you know, six to 12 months. I mean, you know, before making any kind of, maybe even 12 months before making any kind of serious hormonal replacement decision, because once you jump on that train, you kind of can't get off it. Right. Yeah, I always recommend when I suspect these types of hormone imbalance, and like you mentioned, is do some sort of a urine or saliva combination test or just a saliva test to assess and see exactly what's going on. And we know that saliva is probably a little bit more uh, accurate than a blood test. And especially when you're, you know, checking your cortisol rhythm throughout the day, you know, you want to see at least those four timed intervals where you're getting a good reading, see what your cortisol and then, you know, those tests can are really accurate at picking up for a woman, you know, all of the estrogens and your three major estrogens and progesterone, melatonin, testosterone. Uh, and then, you know, like you mentioned, once you get those results back, you can adjust your diet. You know, we know that 
we need adequate amount of fats because those are the building blocks for hormones, you know, so we can adjust our, our diet accordingly and, and boost up with certain nutrients. And you know, we were talking a little bit earlier that I didn't get to about, you know, certain herbs and things that, that will, um, help naturally boost progesterone or, or detox excess estrogens. But in terms of bioidentical hormones, that is, and, and again, if, if someone's imbalance isn't resolving well, then, the real question is why, what's going on? You know, are they not absorbing what they're eating or what they're taking? Is there a digestive issue that's causing stress? Is there, you know, some sort of a leaky gut situation going on? Is there a liver detox pathway, you know, congestive issue going on? So typically if someone, you know, isn't responding to a lot of these herbal treatments or if, or, you know, if they have really severe hormone imbalance, then, um, then you might move to, you know, more sophisticated therapies like using bioidentical progesterones instead of, you know, the wild yam or the chase berry, um, or even, you know, pregnenolone, sometimes that, you know, the mother hormone, the master hormone. But I, like you mentioned, I, I really like to see the, the diet and this, and what I always tell people, this stuff will not work. It doesn't matter what supplements you're taking. If you do not address the lifestyle piece, the, you know, you could be on HRT or taking bioidenticals, but it will not work unless you get that lifestyle stuff dialed in. Yeah. And I, I just know two people that developed a thyroid issue later on in life because they were not addressing either the lifestyle. And then the other one wasn't addressing the exercise. They were over-exercising still. And, you know, those things, you know, it's no joke, this trifecta of diet, lifestyle, and the exercise component. But when I say exercise component, I, I really mostly mean like the chill out part, right? Because I mean, you know, I've overexercised myself into so many problems. And also, I'm sure with you, I mean, I read your story, but I'm so glad you mentioned fat, right? I mean, it's so important in this discussion. And the low fat diet is what gave me and overexercising. And I'm sure probably with you, you were living a low fat existence there for a while. Oh yeah. I think I was, I was telling someone the other day, I started my first diet at age nine. (laughs) That was was back in the eighties when we were all counting fat grams. So I remember, you know, trying to stay under, here's a nine-year-old. I think this is so sad now, but looking back and, you know, I'm trying to stay under 20 grams of fat. And that is absolutely when you need, you know, fats for brain development and precursors to hormones. But and then what's in all that sugar-free junk is, is or the fat-free stuff is just more sugar and more chemicals. So, yeah, I, I mean, that's the uh, number one factor that we still are having trouble shaking that I see in my practice is people still have this kind of intrinsic fear of fat. If you step outside our kind of paleo-primal bubble where we all know what we need for healthy bodies, that low-fat paradigm is still alive and well. Yeah, no, I was actually at the Whole Foods the other day, and I was getting some uh, bison ribs that they had pre-cooked there. And this woman uh, looked at me, and she said, oh, are those less fatty than the beef ones? <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, "It, it's neither here nor there. I had like a mini speech on fat there because I had to. Okay. But, but I mean, yeah, it's not to be, not to be feared. Um, tell us a little bit about your practice. You actually deal with people all over, right, so that you don't have to be living in San Francisco to consult with you. I do. I, most of my practice is virtual now. So I, you know, I have clients all over the world. I am based in San Francisco. So if someone's here, I, you know, we, I like to meet in person the first time, but 
I focus, you know, as we've been talking about on female hormone balance, but just because, you know, most of the women that I work with also were coming in and it would turn out that we would uncover in the intake that they have these digestive conditions going on too, that now it's probably equally focusing on women's health and hormones and fertility and then digestive wellness. That is a huge part of my practice now too. And that's just kind of been the evolution of where things have led me. Yeah. And we just, um, uh, soon, or it's already will be passed by the time this comes out, but uh, I know Dr. Perlmutter, who wrote Grain Brain, just came out with a book all on the microbiome and, you know, oh, just know. That's the awesome. importance of probiotics and fermented foods. Um, give us a couple of, like, really crazy scenarios. Like, what, what have been some of the worst-case scenarios that turned out to be the best-case scenarios? You know, someone who came in all jacked up and every, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, what? What's your, like, oh, my gosh, this is a doozy, but it ended up being a good story in the end. Okay, I have one that comes to mind right away. And this was a woman maybe a couple years ago or most recently. The reason I'm thinking about her is because her her exact stereotype of, of a client that comes in is so common. But she came in, she and her husband have been trying to get pregnant for over a year, and she was just exhausted. And, you know, that typical kind of woman who was running around, working 12 hours a day, you know, just exhausted. So I had her give me a copy of her lab work. And sure enough, you know, I looked at her thyroid and her, she's like, she was really resistant in, in handing over her lab work because she said, my doctor says it's fine. It's fine. That's not the problem. It's fine. So I look at her lab work. I'm like your TSH and your T3, she had very low T4, very, you know, on the higher end of a TSH, I think it was like 3.8 or 9. And so that's, again, not outside the reference range, but outside the optimal reference range. So I had her go do a full thyroid panel, as I often do, and turns out she had antibodies, like the highest I'd ever seen in the thousands and thousands. So she had had Hashimoto's. Had Hashimoto's, and, you know, obviously the higher your antibodies are, the more inflammation, so... And the more at risk you are for other immune diseases and cancers and all sorts of problems. Exactly. And here's a woman who, this is what we remember mentioning earlier, had been through the ringer with her doctor, kept, you know, thinking it was her fault because she couldn't get pregnant or her husband's fault, you know, and and she was completely flying under the radar undiagnosed. So um, the happy ending is, you know, she did the autoimmune protocol. She, you know, really worked hard. She did all of the lifestyle stuff, you know, was super motivated. And sure enough, a year later, she got pregnant. That's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, the antibodies thing is really interesting. So particularly with people who have Hashimoto's, whether you're optimized or not on medication or whether you're trying to figure it out, get rid of the grains immediately, immediately, because it really affects the level of antibodies. And a lot of doctors will look at thyroid patients they have with Hashimoto's and not care about the fluctuating or high antibodies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, that's such a huge problem. You, it doesn't matter how good, because you can still be feeling great and not have Hashimoto's symptoms per se. But if your antibodies are high, you still, Hashimoto's people more than ever need to really quit the grains. Well, it's, it's just such a huge, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. And the issue is that conventional medicine really doesn't treat autoimmune unless they're giving you, you know, an immune suppressive drug, there isn't anything they're going to do except for just put you on a thyroid replacement. So they're not going to tell you, oh, you, this is an indicator, indicator that you have a lot of inflammation. You should cut out the grains and cut out the dairy and cut out the sugar and alcohol. You know, they just send you on your merry way and give you thyroid hormone replacement and that's it. 
Yeah, and you know, uh, I was going to say again, just the presence of high antibodies in the system is is a cause for concern. So you want to keep them as low as you can, and you can actually really see the difference on the blood test. I don't have Hashimoto's, but I have several friends who do, and when they went paleo, the difference. You know, we go from like a thousand down to like 300. Uh, Some go down to a hundred and then they're like, oh, cool. That's good. And then, you know, oftentimes people then cheat and then they come back and they're, you know, their, their antibodies are higher. But really you need to, if you have an autoimmune situation, you've got to really keep the antibodies low, whether you're feeling good or not, because they're there, (laughs) you know, exactly, exactly. That is such a great success story. Um, I want to tell everyone just one more time how to get in touch with you if they would like some counseling, coaching and uh, holistic Advice, maryvancenc.com. That's M A R Y V as in Victor, A N C E N C.com. You got it. Thanks so much for being here. We love having you. Thank you, Elle, for having me. I love talking about this stuff. So uh, thanks for having me as a guest. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you have to come back on when we do a big thyroid series or something. We should get really more into that. Hi, listeners. It's Brad Kearns to tell you about our partner on the podcast dnafit.com. Mark and I both went through the DNA fit process and received our reports and were quite interested to read the results. Some of them confirmed the healthy lifestyle behaviors that we've been doing, but I was also really surprised to learn that I was predominantly a strength and power oriented athlete rather than endurance, which has been my lifelong background. Other things on the report that are quite interesting are your sensitivity to carbohydrates, your need for vitamin D. This is a snapshot of what makes you tick and it'll just help you inform the best practices to undergo as you're trying to dial in your exercise patterns and your diet. And you can go to dnafit.com and get a 30% discount on their comprehensive package just for listening to the podcast. And all you have to do to get that 30% discount is enter the discount code PRIMALBLUEPRINT 